Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. From the world's first officially recognized sim racing group, it's the Tora Radio Show. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Tora Radio Show, American edition. Well, slightly American edition. Um, I am, of course, back. I am. My name is Ben. I'm back. Um, joining me as ever on these American shows is Mr. Louis Satterley. Hello, and I and I impression of Ben. Anyway, joining us on this special show is sim racing content creator, friend of the show. Used to race a tour a lot, Mr. Dan Austins. How are you doing, Dan? <laughs> I'm not too bad, Ben. Thank you very much. How are you doing, mate? I'm doing good. I almost called you Mr. Aston since you have such an affinity <laughs> for those vehicles. Don't worry, mate. I've been called far worse, believe okay, me. Good. <laughs> I've been called far worse, so don't worry about it. <laughs> yep. This, of course, is the Toro Radio Show where we do occasionally talk about sim racing news. And this is not one of those times. This is not one of those times, no. Yeah. Um, so, we are now in, I think this is the, I've lost track now. I think this is the sixth um, special week we show that we've been doing following this whole COVID pandemic. I think um, you'd be right. I think this is the third one of what was supposed to be, well, what effectively is bi-weekly for each side of the pond. Yeah. Except for me when I was on the UK show a couple of weeks ago. That's fine. Last week they were over here on this one, so yeah. <laughs> and I'm sent in the UK, so <laughs> woo, <Yep>. go UK. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, because Dan is here, we couldn't refer to this as the Independence Day special. Um, <laughs> wrong month too. Wrong month. Wrong month too. Yeah. No, I've joined the wrong time to spoil your party. Sorry, lads. <laughs> yep. no, well, it looks like we got to go spill some tea. Yep. <laughs> there, no taxation without representation. Splash. <laughs> Hopefully there won't be not that much tea spilling in this episode because we have a fairly relaxed episode. So well, fortunately for me, I've drank the last of my cold tea because, uh, you know, America we do stuff different, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, I don't think we have to worry about tea spilling on this particular episode. So yeah, on tonight's show we have more esports championship we're going to be talking about, um, and game updates and uh, a couple other like roundtable discussion things about um, what's been happening in the world of sim racing since this whole thing has really started. So Mm -hmm. um, more about that kind of stuff later. Um, As we continue through this pandemic era, we have era, this pandemic time, whatever you want to call it. um, We do have more esports championships continuing um indycar continues to put on the good show especially whenever you see scott mclaughlin get killed coming up to take the lead that was very unfortunate um not physically by the way not physically me metaphorically metaphorically that's important yes definitely not physically (laughs) see this is what happens when we'd have a much more somber tone if that was yes this is what happens we this is what an example of what i call gamer speak where we're just used to saying, oh, he he died or, oh, he got killed without really taking it seriously. So um, yeah. 
He yeah, was it's just like whenever your little kid and your uncle comes up and completely ruins your Hot Wheels race and says, boom, crash, he's on fire, he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> Suffice it to say, Scott McLaughlin ended up in a wall, flipping over and over and over. So, of course, we'll be looking forward to seeing him charge towards the lead. He was very quick in that race. I thought he was actually going to be able to pass. Was it willpower? Well, I know Paginode went on to win the race. I can't remember if it was power that he's coming up to pass or okay. not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, so be sure to check it's out the been Indy- a yeah. Be sure to check out the IndyCar series. It's always fun to watch, especially if you're watching the drivers' individual streams. That's where the entertainment value really is. Yeah. <laughs> um, IMSA also has continued their esports operations, having their event last Thursday evening at Monster. Oh, sorry, WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca. Now, of course, way to catch yourself. You almost had to take a shot. Yeah. Um, of yep. course, the IMSA TV crew, hind off, all of them did an amazing job as per usual. Um, with the graphics, like them actually using the actual like, IMSA TV graphics, it's kind of like, it's like virtual reality at this point. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, I greatly enjoyed watching that. Um, and uh, now we even have rally events over on Dirt Rally 2.0 um, featuring. Mm-hmm. Rally drivers um, from the World Rally Cost um, drivers. Nikki Tim was in the race. We have a bunch so is it is it Rally or is it Rally Cross? It's, so it's, rally it's cross. both. Actually, oh, it's both. There's some. Oh, both. Okay. There's some other rally drivers in there, but there's also two YouTube content creators named Jimmy Broadband and Alex Day, aka mm-hmm. Fell Race, in there. If you aren't familiar with them, which you should be, because their content's amazing. Yeah, I'm familiar with Ra- Fail Race, and um, I, I didn't get a chance to watch much of it earlier, but I was watching Jimmy Broadbent's efforts in the <laughs> Rallycross, and <laughs> to say he did spectacularly badly was a bit of an understatement, really. Um, yeah. I wasn't able to watch the whole thing, but I know he was one of the guests as well with the um, Rallycross event as well. Yeah. Well, in fairness, I mean, Jimmy's always been a great talent behind the wheel anyway. I mean, a lot of teams ask him to step up in a celebrity position, and he does really well. So, I mean, it just goes to show you that everybody has a bad day every once in a while. You can't be perfect all the time. No, definitely not. I mean, you know, just his efforts with um, the the races in F1 2019 against some of the real-life Formula 1 drivers has been astounding so far. I mean, one that springs to mind um, was the first race at the Bahrain Grand Prix, was it, when he was battling Lando Norris on the last lap? (laughs) <laughs> that was um, that was really epic mm-hmm. uh, to oh, watch. Yeah, yeah. I, I was really surprised Lando shoved him to the wall. To be honest, at the last corner, <laughs> I thought he would have left him space, but no, he's, uh, Jim had got away with that perfectly. And um, no, it, it it really was a cracking way, a race to watch. In fact, the whole series has so far. Um, you know, it's it's great to see under the current climate circumstances these mm-hmm. um, real life drivers taking up esports and. So kind of taking it semi seriously, if you if you get what I mean, yeah. Um, just like they're just like the real life thing, but it it, it just shows you in a way um, how much sim racing has progressed over the last few years, in particular. You know, mm-hmm. just how much it's grown in as a sport as a whole. So most definitely, I, I was gonna say I think Dan said it best there just now. Actually, that they're taking it semi seriously. So I'm. Which we know a few incidences now that have happened over on the NASCAR side of it that 
it's taken a little bit too seriously, but yeah. that's what happens whenever yeah. you're broadcasted live and you're representing a brand, yep. for that matter, mm-hmm. well, as opposed to us where we're not doing that. Yeah, we'll talk more yeah. about that later in the show because we actually want to have a roundtable discussion about is sim racing being taken too seriously now. So Yeah, okay, we'll save that okay, for the end. Hold we'll... your tongues, we'll get there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry, I'm too excited. Yep, welcome to the Tour Radio Show. We do occasionally talk about sim racing news. Um, <laughs> kind of going off of what Dan said, uh, through this whole thing with the pandemic we've also seen um platforms are experiencing huge highs through this time like um on the iRacing forums and you have to be a member to be able to see this i believe um there are um weekly like i i'll not i think this is updated weekly um there are like charts to show like how many drivers have signed up weekly like the monthly signups and stuff like that mm-hmm. And you can tell whenever the pandemic started to happen because there's a noticeable jump. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's almost go- <laughs> yeah. It's just like the U.S. unemployment chart that the shows on how it just goes up and down, squiggles, 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 and then shut down the country, and it just skyrockets straight up. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's very similar to that. On the when you look at the rest of 2020, and this is happening about March, I believe, uh, it's pretty level, and then about mid March, it's Bikes like almost a hundred percent. It's kind of amazing how much happens, and these are of course these are just general numbers because they're not in like fancy tables to show you actual numbers. They're charts, so yeah. it's well, really. I was say if you think about it, it's about right whenever the travel ban went in, or at least over here in the states. I don't know mm-hmm. what other countries did, but it's about right when the travel ban happened over here, and Ooh. all these other. Um, all the real world drivers all of a sudden hear word that they're going to, that the real life sanctioning bodies are just going to go ahead and do sim races. So, I mean, that has a huge number spike right there because how many racers are out there in the world? Yeah. Good tons, tons, whether you're pro, semi pro amateur, a Carter, it doesn't matter. There's tons of racers out there that just want to race and you yeah. cut them off right at the start of the season. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's some interesting, I actually did find a place where they actually have actual numbers here. Ooh, um, according to <laughs> iRace... Facts and figures. Yes, according to this chart, which is on... The, um, I'm not sure where they get these numbers from. I think it's from... Um, it would have to be data that obviously itself. gets released unless they know where yeah. to go find the data yeah. without asking them to release it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Essentially, we have... According to them, in March, there's been 10,054 currently signups for iRacing in the month of March alone. Wow. Um, uh, it's up like 33% from I was going to say, normal... that sounds like a fairly decent spike there, so let me whip out my nifty calculator here and get a rough idea. You said roughly 10,000? 10,000, oh. yeah. Over 10,000 <laughs> at this point, basically. Well, okay, we'll just use the figure of 10,000. So that's roughly about 323 signups a day. Yeah, pretty much. Huh. That's that's pretty spectacular. Yeah. When you're looking at the rest Indeed. of the, when you're looking at the rest of the year, January only has 7,000. February has 6,300 signups. So it you can tell it's pretty significant. Um, uh, do you uh, possibly have the information for this month yet, or are they just wait until end of month sort of I thing? I think they're waiting for the end of month. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Um, Let's see. This is weekly. Uh, what week of the month are we in? 
I believe this would be... Or, what week of the year, I should say. Oh, pfft, don't ask me to count weeks of the year. <laughs> I didn't realize all of a sudden Please that when I Google... <laughs> <laughs> okay, we are in week 16. So they have numbers up to week 14. And according to this, it looks like there's two weeks in a row about when you said, like, the... Mm-hmm. Um, when the travel... Yeah, actually, it's when the travel ban did get enacted, where okay. it jumps from... If you're going from, like, three weeks out, you have 1,700, 4,300, 8,800, 10,000, 10,000. <laughs> that's spectacular. Yeah. And that's is, just uh... racing. Um, according oh. to GT Sport, they've had a 50% player increase during this whole thing. Um, oh. According to the game statistics sites, Kudos Prime... Um, but I its count GT Sport has experienced the largest swell in player numbers since the game's launch back in October 2017. Um, mm-hmm. 50% higher than this point two months ago. Um, more mm-hmm. than 1,400 players. 1,400. Uh, no, let me say that correctly. 140,000. There we go. Players. And he's done it, ladies and gentlemen. He's Yay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is what happens when I try to read the sentence before I actually finish the finish reading the number more yes. than read then speak yes more yeah. than 140,000 players a week have gone into um, GT Sports flagship sport mode which is their FIA stuff I believe Lewis I'm going to have to default to you on that one because you've actually done more of that stuff than I have well you're going to ask me to find numbers I mean I'm not going to go look for numbers well, no, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> the sport mode that's the FIA the official FIA competition. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. That's what I thought. Um, last week, so two weeks ago, um, 149,000 tally is the highest recorded since January 2018, and it's almost the double figures of the week before Christmas in 2019. <laughs> and that's and that's GT Sport. Xbox, yeah. I haven't been able to find actual numbers for Forza, but apparently um, is up all across the board and I can't actually find any real numbers and it's bugging me that Xbox hasn't actually like reported that. Yeah. I do know that um, Xbox Live and um, PlayStation Plus have been suffering <laughs> because of the huge increase and there's been a couple community races like Torres. I don't think ours have been mm-hmm. affected by it, but... Um, Xbox Live just goes down at times, and they're gonna. Sometimes you can't even connect to the Forza servers and things like that. So there have been some issues with yeah. competition because of the huge influx of users. Yeah, that. So that doesn't surprise me because of these larger numbers. The uh, servers of each um, console are not able to cope, are they? Mm-hmm. As such, so. Going on to server updates or what have you. I mean. I'm surprised the console guys haven't figured this out yet. I mean, I think PlayStation's kind of picking up on it, but you tell people when servers are going to be down mm-hmm. for whenever there's an update, like over a week in the future. Mm-hmm. And then you won't get so many complaints about whenever the servers do go down. For instance, like we've experienced it numerous times on us with Xbox whenever or a little while ago, and I'm guessing we're fairly recently been experiencing it again to where we're trying to organize a race, but the servers are down, and they don't announce it that they're going to have the servers down. 
Mm. Yeah. As opposed to iRacing, for instance, they'll say, at this time, on this date, between this time and this time, we'll be updating the servers. So expect slow server rates, essentially. So, yeah. mm-hmm. Thank you for that transition, Lily. Um, yeah. <laughs> so with this massive influx in, in usership, um, iRacing... That's just me on the soapbox briefly, sorry. Yes. Various games and platforms have been pushing out pretty regular updates um, to get and make sure that their servers are coping with all this stuff. Um, last, just last week, when was this? Sixteenth. Yeah, so last week during the show, basically, um, iRacing had their latest update. Um, you can go read the change logs on. You can just Google it. Um, but for the most part, something that I definitely noticed is that um, iRacing is playing with their balanced performance a lot. Um, especially whenever the cards in question are going to be used in quote-unquote official championships. Like, mm-hmm. for instance, we mentioned IMSA. Um, IMSA is using the 488 GTE, the 4 GT, the... Um, the M8 GTE and the Porsche RSR GTE, and at least oh, those are GT3 cars. But basically, what I'm getting at is that um, whenever the cars are being used in some type of official capacity, they seem to be updating them, um, balance performance-wise. So is that something mm-hmm. that we can expect from like a set of cars? Assetto Corsa Competizione, um, whenever the SRO starts their events on there, like do you, do we think that games are going to start to like um, change it based change like what they're doing just based on who wants to use their game? What do you guys think? No, it's an interesting subject actually because um, it kind of reflects on what goes on in the real world as well. Um, this issue of um, balance of performance. But the problem you've got is um, it's not really set in stone um, like in in the real world because um, all the cars, no matter which one you choose, have their advantages and disadvantages Mm -hmm. um, uh, depending on which circuit you drive around. So a a car that will perform well on a a high-speed circuit with very little corners, that's good good on um, top-end speed while do, do so well around the twisty uh, circuits like um, spa Francorchamps, or Silverstone, for example. But um, it, it's it's hard to say what the answer really is, really. I mean, you can't really change the balance of performance over time because it will just confuse the players mm-hmm. as such. And if you have... I mean, particularly, I can remember back in some of the events that we ran um, at Tora back in the day... Um, what what would happen is, is from event to event, some guys would change cars constantly, um, depending on how well they performed at each venue. So um, it's hard to know exactly what the answer is as such um, to this issue with a balance of performance. But um, obviously trying to balance them and get them more or less spot on really is difficult indeed. And I do feel for um, the, the people who organise these championships, um, whether it be in the real world or the game creators, um, people like Kunos who create ACC to try and get it just right. It, it really is difficult. And um, 
I wouldn't like their job. <laughs> Let's put it that mm-hmm. way. Um, you know, it really is difficult, and I take my hat off to them. I mean, particularly with um, the constant pressure that they have sometimes trying to get these cars just right. So, yeah, definitely. And to reflect something that Hein Office said countless times, I would not want to be people who work in BOP in motorsport. No, definitely not. No. Well, I was going to say, at the same time, on a set of Corsa, if I'm not mistaken, they've... I'm sure somebody will correct me if I'm wrong on this on Twitter, but um, I'm pretty sure on a set of Corsa, they went ahead and adopted all of the SRO spec for BOP, so I don't think it was so much of a... of them t- constantly trying to balance the in-game sort of thing. I think they're sticking to what the real life actually uses. Mm. Yeah. So, if I'm not mistaken. I think I remember reading that somewhere, but... Um, so I think for that particular developer, it's a little bit easier. Um, yeah. another thing I think is absolutely brilliant and it's actually on the iRacing side of things. Uh, iRacing for the most part, from what I understand, doesn't really tinker too much with the actual physical performance of the car. They tend to tinker with a little bit more of the, uh, the fuel flow. Yeah. Most yeah. of, side of it, yeah. because most basically of this, what I'm reading that you have on iRacing, you can set the BOP. Mm-hmm. with any car so I mean, if you want one car to be really awesome or one really sluggish i mean obviously that's the extreme and kind of bias side of doing things or you can yep. make them as close as you want sort of thing um i'm pretty sure that's all that i racing does i could be wrong more than likely i am somebody will correct me i'm sure uh, I, I couldn't re-elaborate much on that to be honest i'm still fairly new to i racing to be honest so i'm not really sure how it all works but I know that they, uh, as you mentioned, they uh, measure, they ta- tamper with the fuel tank sizes. Because um, particularly for the hour-long races that you do in the Le Mans series, you can't do hour-long stints on one tank of fuel. So I'm not sure if that's one way they do it or there's other implementations that they use. It's really hard to tell. Yeah, it's definitely something interesting that I think we'll see going forward. Um I'm not sure if the Brits mentioned this on the show last week because I didn't get to listen to all of it. Um, but there were some... Oh, how do I rephrase this? There were some rumors going around that IndyCar contacted iRacing to talk to them about the tire model because drivers were complaining about it. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure there is, actually, because... Uh, was it last weekend... On Sunday, I was watching a video, and Newgarden actually kind of just somebody had assembled the video, or they just posted it on YouTube. I'm not entirely mm-hmm. sure, but uh, Newgarden actually talks about how the tire model on iRacing, anyway, especially whenever the car starts to slip, that it'll reach its peak and then just fall straight down, as opposed yeah. to so basically, as the tire starts to slip and everything, eventually it'll get to the point where it just no longer wants to grip and it'll just let it go and keep on spinning. Mm-hmm. As opposed yeah. to the real-life IndyCar, to where it'll start to peak up and then to the slip point, and whenever it reaches the slip point, it'll kind of plateau off to where they can still have control of the car and basically just do an all-wheel drift all the way across and just without losing any speed, time, or anything like that. Yeah. So I think they're going to try and start, start talking to drivers about that because they're able to get more information now because more real-world drivers are doing it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I can... I can sort of understand the frustrating, uh, frustration with that, to be honest, because um, I, I recently did an event, um, the Le Mans Series event, around um, Watkins Glen, 
in the Ford GT because I think the GTE cars in iRacing have had this new tyre model implemented, don't they? If I can remember rightly. Uh, I believe you're correct. My only experience uh, with the new tyre model so far has been the MX-5, and I'm not sure if I'm a fan or not yet. Um, well, I'm, I'm still not keen, if it's any consolation, because I remember <laughs> ju- doing that... I mean, compared to the old tyre model, um, in some ways it's good, but in some ways it's bad. Like, for example, mm-hmm. uh, when you try and uh, turn into a corner, the front end of the car will actually turn in, no ways before, you'd have just constant understeer all the time but the problem is now of course because of this tire grip um, drop off that goes off very quickly i you're very easy to lose the car completely and that's what happened to me unfortunately in my attempt at um watkins Glen. so it's not i mean it's it's some ways better but other ways it can be extremely frustrating unfortunately yeah and it's magnified on off-camber corners i've noticed Mm -hmm. yeah not that yeah. I expect those to have a ton of grip to begin with, but off-camber corners no. in particular, <laughs> I, I've really noticed, actually, that, uh, I mean, you want to be able to hustle it through a corner, and obviously it's deceiving, so you back it off a little bit, but that little bit that you back off can cause the car just to go completely around, and especially if you don't hit it just right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. actually, going back to what Newgarden says also in that video, he says on iRacing, he's noticed that driving a car you have to be very precise with it as opposed to in the real world you can muscle it around you could throw it wherever you want and mm-hmm. still not lose time so i think yeah. that's where i racing is now trying to i racing in particular they're trying to find the perfect balance with mm-hmm. if you think nice. about the whole idea of that drivers are talking about that particular thing if you really think about the i or just the general synopsis of what they're discussing about it's really nitpicky at that point and if you got a mm-hmm. sim that's so good that people are trying to nitpick it at that yeah right there i think you're well on your way to the right track and now you're at the point oh, where yeah. you're just you're just fine-tuning now that's it yeah yeah oh like i racing in particular and probably acc it's to some extent they're just going to keep going up from here just because yeah. they're getting this massive amount of exposure um mm-hmm. considering that their title for iRacing's case, is on national television twice a yeah. week now. So, mm-hmm. well, sometimes three times. Sometimes three times. Yeah, that's right. I was right. gonna say because uh, Wednesday night they usually tend to do the um, over here in the states anyway. They do the uh, dirt track stuff on Wednesday nights. So mm-hmm. that's uh, sprint cars and late models on any given dirt track. Excuse me, I'm trying not to belch over the radio here. Mm-hmm. Couple other. Game updates I want to highlight real quickly. Um, ACC, I believe the UK guys talked about this, um, had an update recently. Um, if, again, you can go read all this information if you really care. It's small things like um, fixed a floating white line in the, bran- in the pits of Branch Hat or mm-hmm. um, fixed ramp volume during camera changes from low main volume and other things, it, just little nitpicky things. Anyway, so um, there was also another update quick fix that they did where, again, fixed a potential crash when using track IR with helmet camera, things like that. That If you want to read about it, you can go read about it. I'm not going to take up valuable airtime reading Maybe off the update v1.3.11 patch notes, things like that. Mm-hmm. All right, um, code on the TRS. <laughs> Lastly, before we get to our big kind of roundtable discussion that I was planning on having for this show, um, is Ultima Ballista 2. 
has been updating their users about their development plans. The game is still currently in early access. Um, mm-hmm. It's been made available to the public via, via the stream early access platform and has since its initial release received a good share of updates. Um, but there's more to come. The studio and correct me if I'm pronouncing this incorrectly Rev- Rev- Revisa Studios? Something like that? I'm trying to... Well, it's Portuguese, not Spanish. So we can't really use Spanish. Anyway, <laughs> their developers um, previously stated that they plan to run the early access status for a four to, four to eight weeks, but unfortunately, because of this whole thing, um, that's going to extend a little bit, if I'm reading this correctly. Welcome to TRS. Ben reads stuff live on air. Yes. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we said we have opted to go all the way in our initial proposed of eight weeks of early access period and may additionally add a couple weeks more before official release in order to try to make Unmogis to two reaches V1 um, as well-rounded and as complete as we possibly can to make it in this time frame. So... Um, have you two been messing with Automobilista 2 yet? I honestly have not even touched it. No, I haven't had a chance yet either, to be honest. Um, I've been waiting uh, to hold out on that game for a while. I haven't uh, had a chance to try out early access or anything, but um, I've been excited about it, but also a little bit sceptical as well because of the fact that AMS 2 uses the same engine as uh, Project Cars 2 the mm-hmm. Madness engine and n- knowing how that game can be sometimes with its um, arcade style handling, it's more, it feels more arcade than Sim, I just worry a little bit that AMS 2 will be along those lines as well, but yeah. I hope to be proven wrong but, yeah. um, but it is a title that I would love to try for sure because the first Automobilista game has um, such a following um, but I haven't been able to try that either. So, yeah, I believe the with Unbelievable 2 is that they're using the Madness engine, but they're using their own physics. So the Madness mm. engine is just for the visuals. Which I was gonna say, I think it depends on the physics engine you choose to use. Because how many people, including uh, ACC, actually that use the Unreal engine? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, mm. Unreal engine's been around for a while. Yeah, and only yeah. I would say. Only recently, on a lot of the recent titles, titles that you've been seeing, it has you really seen the visuals pop. Yeah, on a lot of stuff to where it looks a lot more realistic. But the physics model always seems to be a little bit different. For prime example, and it's like comparing apples to oranges already to begin with. The uh, annual motocross or supercross games that come out, mm-hmm. which is dirt bikes, obviously, has a completely different handling engine than what you would have over on a Soto Corsa, which. Like I said, you're automatically already comparing apples to oranges right there on that to begin with. But if you were to hook up the same controls, for instance, as crazy as it sounds, if you were to make your steering wheel drive a dirt bike on the game, they would feel completely different. Yeah, definitely. Turn-wise, that is. Mm -hmm. Why would you even hook up your... Never mind. That was a hypothetical I wouldn't actually do. (laughs) If you want to see a wonderful hypothetical working in action, you can go find uh, Jordan's old Twitter video of him. Oh, with him driving the Thomas Thomas Tank Engine? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Driving an F1 car using Thomas the Trade Engine controls. That was brilliant. Uh, 
I, I, I'm convinced that if you leave Jordan in the dark room long enough, he'll figure out some way how to make a meme out of it. Um, or he'll find some way to make something work. Yes. <laughs> Either outcomes are likely. Anyway, um, now I said we were going to do a roundtable discussion, but um, we do have a special guest, and I want to make sure that we do have an interview with him before we run out of time in today's show as we are running about 25 minutes left. So, Dan, <laughs> tell us about what you do. I called you a sim racing content creator. So, yeah. what do you do? What, what games are you focusing on? Do you stream vi- video, YouTube? What do you do? Well, um, I do create sim racing content, but only on a part-time basis um, for the time being. But I'd, I'd love to do it full-time because of um, of all the things that I've done in my life, sim racing, uh, content creating has been the most enjoyable and um, the best thing that I've ever done. So, um, But I, I, I create content on all kinds of different sim racing titles, so whether it be on iRacing or Assetto Corsa, R Factor 2, ACC. Um, I would love to try out um, Race Room Racing Experience more. I haven't had a chance to uh, play that game as such, but that's something I want to address in the future. Um, and what other titles have I missed out on? Uh, I did used to do Project Cast 2, but sort of fell out of love with that. Um, but I, I create all kinds of um, different videos, really, um, whether it be of any races that I take part in, all the various different experiments uh, that I've done. Uh, just as an example so far, um, I wanted to take a real-life championship and see what it would be like if it, if they were um, hosted at various different racing circuits all over the world. So at the moment, um, one of my big series on my channel at the moment is what if the FIA World Endurance Championship competed here? Um, and I've done five videos on that so far around the Nurburgring Nordschleifer, uh, the Mount Panorama circuit in Bathurst, um, the Kyle Army circuit in South Africa, Monaco, and my most recent one, <laughs> a most chaotic one, oh, I'm sure you guys it will was, testify. Oh, it Utter was chaos. chaos. I will say around, that. <laughs> yeah, around the, the streets of the show. Okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, to say to say that was an interesting one to record was a bit of an understatement, really. Well, I I love that you're in the middle of a traffic jam and literally right on cue when you're sitting there th- thinking about it yourself, right yeah. on cue you pull up the SpongeBob thing twenty minutes later, and then yeah. here you are still in a traffic jam, <laughs> and then literally then you're still stuck in it for God knows how long, and then right on cue another SpongeBob cut in two thousand years later. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you you timed that absolutely perfect on that oh, video. I, I, I tried mm-hmm. my best. I tried my best. I don't always get it right, the timing, but yeah, it seemed to work out really well in that one. You know, I was really yeah. pleased with how that turned out. <laughs> so, if I may ask, why that track? <laughs> because arguably, <laughs> arguably, that was like, hmm, I should have expected that. <laughs> <laughs> I should have known better clearly, shouldn't I? But, um... It was interesting, actually. It was in one of the earlier episodes in that series that um, one of my subscribers commented and suggested that I should try the streets of Macau um, on a Seto Corsa, but I realised that R Factor 2 had uh, um, the, the mod for Macau as well, so I mm-hmm. thought I'd try it around there to my cost. <laughs> <laughs> I was literally being pulled along by the AI, and, and then by the end, when I broke free, I did my perfect reverse flick, didn't I? My J-turn. 
Oh, yeah. My first. So, <laughs> I thought I was yeah, glad that, that one well played. Done, actually. <laughs> so, um, no. well, Ben kind of asked the question of why that particular track. My my question more is is what stems the what gets the motor running for an idea, for that matter. Because admittedly, you do a bit unique style of content creation to where it's not, not everybody's doing it which is what i really like about it actually for instance my favorite feature which we just discussed about what would what if the fiwc raced here but you also do a couple other little things so my question is where does the inspiration come from for those other ideas for different videos that you do um well i suppose um in some ways being <laughs> well i'm I'm not completely mad, don't we? But just being a complete um, nuts inside my head, thinking that, you know, um, this video would be a great idea. But um, no, literally, uh, in my spare time, when um, when I'm not content creating, I carry a notepad with me everywhere um, uh, for my sim racing content. And if suddenly something pops into my head, I think, ah, yes, that could work. I, I jot it down, and then I literally think it thoroughly, go over it, and then I go and check, because um, my, my memory is pretty useless sometimes, so I go and literally scour around all the sim racing titles to see what content is available, and then I'll put it into practice. I think, ah, okay, this could actually work after all. So, um, I mean, literally with the, um, the WEC videos, it was um, a good job, actually, that um, R Factor 2 had sort of more or less up-to-date machinery that i could use um i mean particularly with the um one of the um, categories of vehicles that that was meant to be implemented this season in the wec with the hypercars um with the mclaren senna um gtr and i, I don't know really <laughs> it's um I, I, I spend a bit of time thinking about it. I mean, during the night time as well, you know, when I'm sitting up in my bed with my notepad and then I'll write it all down and think, you know, this could work or maybe that one ain't so good or, you know, I just, I, I, I literally spend a bit of time um, uh, just thinking about what would make good uh, sim racing content and it seems to be working because, I mean, you guys are really enjoying it and I, I really do appreciate that very much and also... Um, the kind words and feedback and encouragement I've been receiving from um, from subscribers, the community, and also from uh, my friends as well, you guys as well, um, over at Tora. So I do... Uh, it's not very often I get a chance to say this. I mean, particularly, you know, when I chat to you guys or whatever, but, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's that encouragement and support that helps me to keep going. Uh, with creating uh, this sort of content. So I do thank you all very much um, for your positive positivity. It really has been a big help. So, Ed, you're more than welcome there, Dan, on that for from the bottom of the heart on that one. Um, but going back just a little bit what you said there, because you come up with ideas, um, Has have you ever done it to where you've created a video that, yeah, it sounded great on paper, but whenever you come across and you actually put the mm. whole thing together and all of a sudden it's just like, eh, this just didn't turn out the way that I wanted it to. Maybe we shouldn't do this or no, no, or set it on the back burner and I have a slow week on releasing content. I'll maybe release that later. Yeah, there, there, there has been times when that's happened. Um, even before I go and put it into practice, I think uh, maybe that's not such a good idea after all. So something like that does happen. Do you just 
completely dump the idea altogether, or is it like what I suggested? If you happen to have a slow week and you have that file saved off somewhere, then you go ahead and upload something like that. It varies, really. Um, some I keep on the back burner just in case, you know, I come, I go across to it again. But on other occasions, no, I just tend to scrap them altogether. Okay. So. I mean, I mean, not not to worry. I'm not short on content ideas. Don't worry. I've still got it <laughs> in my head. <laughs> so let me pitch you your next idea. Oh, <laughs> WEC at the Charlotte Roval. Oh, that would be a good one. Oh, okay. I'll have to try and remember that one. Yeah, <laughs> Charlotte, Charlotte Roval. I, I, I'm, I'm foreseeing. Island myself. I'm foreseeing an LMP2 car spinning a GTE or one of the. Um, Senna GTRs in the first hairpin at least once. Yes. <laughs> I can just well, picture actually, it myself actually just thinking about it. <laughs> actually, in fairness, Ben, you can kind of get a flashback to that because the early days of the American Le Mans series, they did race at what was then the Charlotte Roval, not the modern day version of it. It's actually a lot more runoff on the old circuit, but mm-hmm. I think you could probably see that what it was like at least back with the late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I definitely think that would be. It, oh yeah, probably... I'd, I'd love to see Dan's interpretation of it, especially if he's if it ends up being a the race itself that he films ends up being a total train wreck, like what was at Macau and he does. Yeah. I don't think it would be <laughs> the same level of Macau, but it. it it'd well, be I'm not sure. <laughs> well, I'm not sure if it's going to be as chaotic as Macau, but you know, you never really know until when you start recording uh, the footage itself. It's um, all up in the air and unpredictable. But if I do remember, I'll have to definitely try the Charlotte Roval, depending which game that um, I can find that circuit mm-hmm. on. Dan, somebody wants to go and find all your content. Where can they find you on YouTube? Like, what's your channel name? My my channel name is Amr Daniel. Um, but the letter E in Daniel is replaced with the number three. So um, you'll find me. Just type in AMR Daniel, or if you want the direct um, web link address, then it's www.youtube.com forward slash C forward slash AMR Daniel. Okay, and uh, what about on uh, – do you have a Facebook fan page? I'm not entirely no, sure. No, I don't have a Facebook fan page. Um, but but do you on, have a Twitter? Yeah, I'm on Twitter and Instagram. Um, just search AMR Daniel um, on Twitter and Instagram. And I also have um, a Discord page open at the moment. So I'll try and see if I can provide you guys with um, a, a, a link to that to Discord. Because <laughs> trying to get that going is a little bit difficult at the moment. It's been a bit quiet and not much activity. So um, yeah, I want to try and improve on that at some point. But don't be discouraged. Don't. You know, don't be put off by joining. You know, I want to try and grow a sort of community um, of sim racers who um, who enjoy sim racing and motorsport. But also for um, future plans, ideas that I have in mind. Um, if I grow the channel further and gain, I don't know, over 500 subscribers or something like that, I'd love to uh, be able to try and host fun community events um, for you guys to take part in as well in the various sim racing titles. So whether it be iRacing or um, any of the Assetto Corsa titles, if I can figure out how to set up a server on them. Apparently, it's really complicated um, to try and do that. But if I can figure out, I'll try and do that and um, and various other titles as well, for sure. Very okay. good. And also, I believe congratulations are in order because if I'm not mistaken, you recently qualified or t- attempted to qualify for the Assetto Corsa Pro-Am Cup. 
I did indeed. <laughs> well, for the um, the Pro Series, yeah. Completely unexpected, to be honest, that one. <laughs> it was, well, I mean, um... it was an accomplishment that you got accepted to go ahead and try to set a time before, because I believe you had to head or the application, whenever I was looking at it, they wanted your stream channel name, yeah. they wanted all the smaller criteria stuff, as opposed to somebody like me, who could be at that level, but I just simply don't stream. I couldn't get into that one, even if I wanted to. No, so, I've... Uh, if it's any consolation, mate, I didn't think I was as well, um, which is why I was really surprised that I managed to get into the qualifying stage at all. But I suppose um, they had to change their schedule slightly because of the number of applicants. So you've had to, you had to attend um, uh, attend a hot lap shootout, if you like, and then the fastest number of drivers from each um, car will then make it through to um, the the SRO eSports series itself. So, but I didn't do as bad as I feared. I probably won't qualify, but you know, just the fact that I've tried and gave it my all, you know, I can be proud yeah. of um, being able mm-hmm. to do that for sure. Yeah, exactly. Nothing to hang your head down on for sure. Thanks for coming on the show, Dan. <laughs> no, thank you. you. Thank you, mate. I really appreciate round you. tour again. No, it's um, I, I do I do miss um, being around Torah, but um. Uh, I, I really do appreciate the fact that you guys invited me on to the show in the first place. So I, mm-hmm. I, I thank you again, and it's been great to chat to you again after so long. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, what was it? Twenty sixteen or seventeen? Yeah, it was twenty sixteen. Yeah. So I remember the last race I entered was the two thousand and sixteen twelve hours of Silverstone. Mm-hmm. And I was in your car, so. Yeah, in the back when I was back when I was slow. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so we we got a good connection here because I've raced with Dan. I believe it was a season and a half. What was then our ISCC championship, which for those who don't know, that was essentially Torres' version of WEC before WEC even existed. That's Mm -hmm. it. Yeah, yeah, we raced for about a season and a half, didn't we? In the the beautiful Louder Aston Martin. God, I miss that car. (laughs) <laughs> oh, that was a that was a beaut. That was for sure. Yep. Oh, I I do miss that car a lot. I mean, I I I don't want to speak favoritism or anything like that. But obviously, I am an Aston Martin fanboy. Let's let's just get that out, out the way. But um, uh, to be able. Gee, to, uh... what was your first coil? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, but no, um, it really was a special car indeed, and you know, I, I achieved far greater than. I anticipated. I mean, we as a team did really well, didn't we? We managed to, um, back in the day, we managed to clinch the team's championship as well as the drivers as well. Yeah. So, well, you um, just dominated that season. I think what, 15 races on the whole calendar, and I think you went ahead and more often than not, you won. Yeah. Because <laughs> I remember, I'm just trying to think back now. I think I won five races at the eight in the European season, and then I won two in the American series as well and then you absolutely swept all of the asian series i do remember that which by the <laughs> way what if the wec raced here well we did iscc which is effectively wec around sakuba over in japan oh yes that was chaos <laughs> and probably one of the best races we ever did oh that that was that race around sakuba was epic fun I, to be honest with you, I had doubts at the time because of how narrow the track was well, everybody did was and that's why i was just like just try it out and let my let my mind wander and just I mean if 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 the American Le Mans series at the time could race around Lime Rock Park without communication, 
everybody that's racing in this lobby is able to talk to one another. We should be fine. Yes. That was my mentality, <laughs> and it ended up working out beautifully because I don't think we had a single safety car or any no. major accident throughout that whole race. No, not one. Everyone performed impeccably around there. I did, we all did a great job. I mean, that's one of the th- advantages that we had as well, is being able to communicate with each other, just to let let the drivers know where we were. I mean, particularly in the um, top class, the LMP1s, we're, we're coming up to traffic, just to let them know where we was and which side we were going to pass. So that that definitely made the race a lot easier, definitely. Yeah, I think it was, what, every three laps we were catching a GT car? Something, Something like, like that, that. yeah. <laughs> yes, it was absolutely insane. Absolute madness, but we got through it. So Yes, we did. So this has been Tora Reminisces. Yeah, <laughs> Tora reminisces to a time I was, where I was, I was thinking just then, knowing how long we're going to start talking about uh, talking like old men, thinking about you know about the past, thinking oh yes, the good old days. <laughs> the good Even old days. It wasn't Forza, that long ago. To yeah, be fair, was Forza it? Forza Motorsports Four. Yeah, Forza actually, Four. I was going to say Forza Four. That was a long time ago, actually. So, mm-hmm. as you might be aware, there's been some outbursts and some not so good a language, which is put it that way, um, that it's kind of occurred within the NASCAR esports community, though I think the um, the whole thing with Larson was during was it an official? It was not an official event, but yeah. uh, he the, the thing was, was that streamed live. Yeah. 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 So the question out of that has come up since Bubba Wallace has lost sponsorship based on his um, online behavior, and we have mm-hmm. this whole thing with Larson. Is sim racing being taken too seriously now? I think that we can all agree that the predominant reason that we got into sim racing was because it was fun. Um, yes. It was something mm-hmm. that we got to experience um, racing at Le Mans, racing at Daytona, um, something that we wouldn't be able to experience otherwise just because mm-hmm. of financial and asset re- restraints. So, um, is this whole thing with esports coming in making it too serious now? On the one side, you've got um, all the guys who compete in esports and take things um, very, very seriously with their racing um, and want to do really well in them. Um, so, and then on the other side, you've got people like us, enthusiasts, you know, who want the chance to be able to compete at. Um, certain venues all around the world in certain racing cars that um, we'd never ever get the chance to in the real world. And um, and we take things for fun. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it depends which side of the coin that you're on. I mean, I, I do sim racing for fun now rather than, you know, just for serious competition. Um, so it, it kind of depends which... Um, uh, it kind of depends on which side of the coin that you're on. So Kind of similar opinion that i have i mean whenever for me personally whenever i got into sim racing it was effectively for me it was to fulfill a lifelong dream to where i always wanted to race cars and Mm -hmm. this was my chance to go ahead and do that and i i delved headfirst into it and because of that i actually met somebody who raced cards in the real world and i did a huge favor which i cannot even mention on any public radio or anything so if anybody wants to actually know the story I'll tell you in person, not on air. Um, but basically, to thank me for that particular favor, he gave. they ended up buying another go-kart, and they had this other one I was going to sit there, and they said, if you want to come race this, it's yours. You don't have to pay for the 
All you have to basically pay for is crash damage and entry fees and the upkeep of the cart. That's basically all I had to do. So I had a go-kart that I didn't even have to pay for, and I could go race. Mm-hmm. Whenever I got to experience that, my level of interest in taking online sim racing fell. Which, mm-hmm. actually, I could probably say that I really don't currently have a lot of interest to do sim racing. If I do it, it is, like what Dan says, it's for fun. It's got to be fun for me to go out there and do it, not something that I feel is a requirement anymore. Are they getting serious too quick? I think what they try to do is that they kept the same level of seriousness and just transferred over to from real world to virtual world. Yeah. Which in some instances, or in the instance of what they're doing with the television broadcast, has worked successfully. The problem is, is that you also decided to introduce another thing to where basically it's kind of like having a scanner on when you're at the racetrack where you can listen in on the radio. But the thing is, is that now you can physically see the individual and you can hear mm-hmm. the individual mm-hmm. with yeah. what they're doing. So it's not so much a simple matter of them tuning in in the middle of a race broadcast, hearing a blurb that happens to come across on the radio, like boxes time or, you know, he's on your outside, What, depending on what it is that you listen to. Now you're able to hear the whole conversation and yeah. everybody can hear it. It also depends. It's on the platform that they're doing. For instance, we, at Tora could run the exact same race that they're doing all the time over NASCAR. Mm-hmm. The difference is, is that they're nationally broadcasted and they have sponsors. We don't. Yes, that's we true. Can, mm-hmm. We can have all the same drivers. We can have all the same stuff. The difference is, yeah. is that we're not nationally broadcasted or streamed to where we ha- aren't required to hold a face to hold up for sponsorship or anything. We, we could speak our mind a little bit more. And yeah. I think... The real-world drivers are kind of misunderstanding that fact because, I mean, more often you hear a lot about drivers that were – after they get done with the real-world stuff, they'll go home and they'll hop right on a sim rig and just have fun with their buddies. Problem is their buddies are the guys that they race with every week, and now they can finally lay back and talk to each other. So it could be not a muscle memory thing, but, I mean – I get what you mean. Um, Yeah, it's it's a fine line, but, yeah, I mean, it's still – should I – for instance, what happened to Kyle Larson? Should he have said it? No. No. No, definitely but, not. But at this, it, it's a fine line, and it's a difficult subject to talk about. That's basically all you can do it go down to. But mm. um, I do know fairly recently, talking about the Larson thing, is that uh, Willie T. Ribs, for anybody who doesn't know, he was the first African-American to qualify for the Indy 500. And he mm-hmm. was a great IMSA driver back in the day of GTO and GTP. He's actually caught up Larson, and he's had a conversation with him, and they've made great friends. And Willie was actually the first one to say, he's like, you could tell he didn't mean it maliciously because he didn't say it in a malicious manner. Yeah. And I think that's where it's getting lost, in translation, that is. So that's pretty Still, much all though, about it. Yeah, it doesn't it. make it right. But it doesn't make it. Uh, my thoughts about the whole is it being taken too seriously thing is that, it I, again, it's a. It depends on where you are and what context you are in. If you are in this nationally, rec- like this nationally televised event, you should take it, you know, with the appropriate amount of seriousness. If you're messing around your buddies on a Thursday afternoon, then yeah, it's okay to cut loose and um, have fun with it a little bit. But mm-hmm. you, you just have to be conscious of the environment that you're in and. Um, how your actions might be perceived. Yeah. Kind of going with what Lewis said, but 
again, just saying he shouldn't have said it at all. But that's my own personal opinion. I'm not here to talk about that. But is it sim racing across the whole being taken too seriously? I don't think so. I think that there are events that have highlighted some of the thing, the aspects of sim racing that um, normally aren't shown as often um, mm-hmm. when you're racing at that kind of level. Um, so take that with you know as you may. But it's also like the, they're the same reason that they started using sim racing as a way to fill this void is that they still want to have fun. Um, mm-hmm. The same type of fun that they would have normally if there wasn't for this COVID pandemic that's occurring right now. So they went to sim racing um, so they could, again, have the same style of fun that they would have otherwise. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's just kind of my thought. It, it depends upon much like anything you do in life. It depends upon the context of which you're in and to understand that. If you're doing something in some way, that there are certain attitudes and certain um, behaviors that are expected to go with that. Like, do I think Bubba Wallace would have rage quit a real life race? Probably not. But this is sim racing where that's a possibility. Mm-hmm. It's all well, about and, and having. It's all about having consequences for your actions. Yeah, and. Mm. And to Bubba Wallace's credit, I mean, yes, he did rage quit, but in hindsight with something that just happened with Larson, if he didn't rage quit and stayed in there, could Bubba have said something far worse than quitting a game? Or has, have he, could he have performed an action that was far worse than rage quitting a game? Me personally, absolutely, especially if the same sort of thing could have happened. So I mm-hmm. think rage quitting probably for him in that particular instance was probably the best thing that he could have done whether he lost a sponsor or not. If that's what we aspire to want, there it is being taken seriously. Is that really what sim racers who are trying to become more in the limelight sort of thing, is that really what we want? Answer's right there in front of you. It's just a matter of which side you stand on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, on that note, we do unfortunately need to end the show. Thanks to Lewis and Dan to being with you here today. Um, If you have your own thoughts about everything that we discussed, uh, please make sure to Use the hashtag Torah Radio Show, all one word, and tweet us at the underscore Torah on, on Twitter. Um, I've been Ben Williams, Lewis Satterley has been Lewis Satterley, and Dan has been thinking up of new concepts of how he can destroy cars virtually. <laughs> <laughs> Until next week. <laughs> yeah. The UK guys will be back next week. See you all in two weeks. Bye for now. Oh, and before I forget, be safe, be healthy, don't be dumb. Yeah, be safe, guys. Take care of yourself. This program is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.